Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Herb Walk with Jessica Baker. I'm super stoked you guys are here today. I'm really excited. There's been a lot going on. I mean, cannabis is always in the news every single day. And as an herbalist, I am super excited that like, hey, weed is in the news again, and people are getting more pumped and more excited. But I also have to err on the side of caution, again, as a holistic practitioner and an acupuncturist. Um, I just know that not one plant is the absolute cure-all for every single thing, which I love that everyone thinks cannabis is like that, or not everyone, but I'm glad that's you know, a very common theme, but I also just have to be realistic and remind everybody there are countless herbs that you can use alongside cannabis as part of your medicine chest. And if that's something that you're interested in, um, definitely reach out to me. I'd love to, you know, give you an herbal consultation or push you in the right direction for someone in your area that might be able to assist because that's really a big part of what this podcast is all about is let's educate people about all herbal medicine, about Chinese medicine, aromatherapy, and cannabis. And so although this season we're going to have a bunch of cannabis episodes, um, I just want to remind everyone that herbal medicine is everywhere and cannabis is not our only tool. So I know a lot of people, uh, you know, we know people who don't want to use cannabis. And so you know, there's a lot more going on. And if you need more information about other herbs you can use, you know, I have my blog, jessicabaker.blog, um, where I share recipes and just, you know, stories and everything else about um, all herbal medicine. So feel free to go over there and subscribe to my blog. You can also check out um, my website, bakerbotanica.com. I also, that links to my blog, but I also have um, you know, links to other people that you can follow and things like that if you do want to learn more about herbal medicine in general. Today's episode, though, is going to be about cannabis. <laughs> uh, today I interview Ellie McDaniel of Smoky Okies, a cannabis wholesaler here in Oklahoma. She's been in the cannabis space since 788 past last year, and so she's fairly new to the legal cannabis industry, but she's got some great insights and it's just fun to hear her story. You know, a lot of times I'll talk to people who've been interested in cannabis for, you know, years, if not decades. And so it's nice to get kind of a newcomer's um, standpoint and input on that. Um, Ellie has been smoking cannabis since she was a teenager, you know, sneaking out with her brothers, as she'll let you know later on. But as an actual, you know, quote unquote, professional in the space, um, it's nice to see somebody who's new and enthusiastic about what's going on. And so um, please give a kind welcome to Ellie McDaniel of Smoky Okies. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show, Ellie. Um, if you don't mind, tell the listeners a little about yourself, um, you know, where you grew up and um, any experience you had with cannabis or herbal medicine as a child. Okay. I had no experience um, as far as being a child goes with cannabis. I didn't start using cannabis until, well, I guess I was still technically a kid, but at the time I felt like an adult. <laughs> I was 16, sneaking off with my brothers, actually, um, and I had never grown or anything like that, just used it here and there when people had it around, 
Um, I'm not much of a drinker, so it definitely was something that I enjoyed way more than drinking because I'm a person that when I drink, I just, I get out of control quickly as far as I feel sick, like immediately. I can be two drinks in and already be sick. So I never was a drinker. And I guess, you know, it started out just being a, just something that I did with my friends, you know. And then as I got older, I realized the things that it was helping me with, like with anxiety, with feeling down, things like that. And I kind of put two and two together. But when I first started using it, I don't think I was using it enough to really put all that together. You know, I just felt cool, I guess, at the time for breaking all the rules. Yeah, I grew up at Liberty Academy, which is a Christian school in Shawnee, Oklahoma. And uh, nobody there ever used cannabis, to my knowledge. I was definitely the black sheep of that group and didn't do it with any of my friends that went to school there. It was a different group of people outside of school. Um, but I was raised very sheltered. Um, so it's kind of odd to some people that meet me now (laughs) that see that I grow cannabis on a large scale now, whenever you hear that my background is actually a Christian school my whole life. But one thing cool about Liberty is the Stanley brothers out of Colorado. Um, have you ever heard of them? The ones that started Charlotte's web? Yes, Absolutely. They they come from Liberty Academy in Shawnee, Oklahoma. So, uh, my my mother taught with their mom at Liberty, so that was something very unique about Liberty that we've now hopefully have two families that have branched off and gotten into the cannabis business, and hopefully, um, like Stanley Brothers, I can make a significant difference as well. Did you know the Stanley brothers? Were you guys in the same class or were you in uh, different ages? They're much older than me, but I have a brother who's eight years older than me. And then I have another brother who's five years older than me. So those two brothers did. Yes, they were in the same classes as them. Oh, that's great. And do they ever come back to um, Shawnee and, you know, preach about cannabis or anything? (laughs) No, no, I don't believe they do. They've been in Colorado. I mean, Kali, that's probably 30 something years ago, you know, so they have totally different lives now. I just, with Liberty being as small as it is, it's very awesome that they did what they did and that their foundation came out of a Christian school. So I just find it very, just very cool that we have that similarity. Yeah, that is cool. I think that's, um, you know, you never know where greatness is going to come from. You know, it's uh, I, coming yeah. from the South myself. I feel like Southerners get, um, you know, we almost get made fun of or people just think we're dumb <laughs> because of our accents. And it's like, um, you know, well, first of all, there's been a lot of presidents that were from the South. But also, you know, we can't judge people just by where they come from. That just, yes, you know, and <laughs> being fairly new to Oklahoma, a lot of people judged me for moving here. And I was like. <laughs> How can you judge a place you've never actually been to? It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm a I'm from Oklahoma through and through and I'm a blonde, so I've really been teased my whole life, you know, about <laughs> being ditzy or I totally understand where you're coming from with that. And you know, being from Oklahoma, you know, what was your initial reaction to, you know, the passing of 788 and just knowing that medical cannabis was coming to Oklahoma? in kind of a unique way in terms of how fast 
It just seemed like the community accepted it. And then, of course, you know, all the outsiders came in because they recognized the opportunity for for um, some sort of sane <laughs> cannabis rules and business. I'm super proud of Oklahoma, very proud of Oklahoma, because we have so many bad things coming out of Oklahoma as far as our education system. We're like the worst on everything, <laughs> worst roads, worst everything. So it was very awesome that something that's so close to my heart moved through so smoothly and that they didn't put caps on licenses. And I mean, I really think they did an awesome job, even how they wrote 788. When you start looking at other states' laws, there's a lot of holes in them. And we have a lot of holes in ours, too. But I'm saying for like the first thing that they threw out there, uh, I think they did a phenomenal job on putting that together. And I give kudos to everybody that was a part of writing that. Because it takes a lot of time to think of all of those things that you need to have in there. And I know that they didn't just do it on a whim. They probably studied other laws from other states. But I still think they did a really great job implementing it, not dragging their feet on it. And I think that everybody needs to understand that we're going to have rules. And if you look at laws in other states, you would laugh at Oklahoma's laws because it's like half of what other states have to do. So I'm definitely all for any additional regulations that they need to put into place to feel comfortable with us having cannabis legal. And I look forward to having a recreational market. Um, To me, I wanted everybody to get so comfortable with cannabis that we're smoking it anywhere and you don't say a word about it. You don't judge me for it. I want you to feel the same way as you do about cigarettes, which kill people. You know, you don't mind if I smoke a cigarette in public. So I just want, I'm ready for everybody to feel comfortable with it within homes around, not necessarily using it around children, but I don't, I'm ready for the stigma to go away that you must be some terrible parent because you use marijuana. Um, And we have a long way to go on that. I think that Oklahomans have been very receptive to it and we haven't had as many problems as other states have. But there's definitely going to be that stigma there for a long time because for generations we were taught that this was like the devil. And so it's going to take time for people to come around and realize, oh, my gosh, like this is a wonderful thing to use for all kinds of different things. And you don't have to smoke it. You can rub it on you. You can take it as a tincture. Like you don't have to be closed minded to this. This should just be used as an herb like you use anything else, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I feel like it is coming to that point. I mean, I know so many, you know, older people, especially who are really into CBD right now, and they never would have taken, you know, medical cannabis. But, you know, it's like, well, you're ingesting cannabis in one form or another. So it's like whatever way we can get that into their psyche, um, you know, the better. So they'll be like more open to to cannabis in a different form. You know, yeah, and when they start feeling better, and all of a sudden their arthritis isn't as bad, or they wake up and they're not as foggy mentally. Um, I think that's when it really clicks for them that I've been lied to, <laughs> you know, I've been lied to this whole time. You know, this isn't something bad. <laughs> no, it's definitely true, it's a good awakening, and I feel like you know, Oklahoma is a great opportunity for you know, maybe. I don't want to call people closed-minded because people are open-minded in their own ways. But it definitely, I think it's a good way to get 
you know, the more conservative people being like, well, if Oklahoma can do it, well, then, you know, maybe Alabama can do it and maybe Georgia yeah. can do it. And, you know, it's just, um, you know, a gateway to something much more positive. And I think it's very important that we have the professional people coming forward. Um, and, you know, like, I, not that it, it's bad if your strategy wants to be uh, smoking online or whatever, and that's how you're advertising your business. That's fine if you want to go that route. But I do think it's very important to have your professional group of people who also run these businesses to kind of show that we're, we're not a bunch of jokes. Uh, this is, we take this very seriously. It's not just about getting high. Um, it's a true business that we're running here and um, a professional one at that. Absolutely. I feel exactly the same way. Um, you know, how did you get into the cannabis industry? Obviously you came from something else and then found your way into cannabis. Do you want to ex describe that a little bit? Well, I knew that it was going to pass. Like, I don't know why I knew, but I just knew that I knew that it was going to pass whenever it was coming up. Um, Oklahoma has a huge population of cigarette smokers. And in my mind, like we're one of the highest ones. And in my mind, if you'll smoke cigarettes, you will smoke cannabis. And almost everybody that I've met throughout my life, not at Liberty, but just people that I've met out and about, all of them have either used cannabis at some point in time or their kid now used cannabis. So I just felt like there were too many people that I knew that were using cannabis that it wasn't going to pass. And so once I knew that it was coming up for the vote, I just got a fire within me for some reason. And I wanted to do it. I wanted to start to grow. I wanted to have a business. Um, at the time, I was actually running, my background and my degree is actually a paralegal. And I was in that for six years. But then I had bought a laundromat that I was running before I started doing this for four years. And I was self-employed already. And so I, already, I, I wasn't, it didn't scare me to come up with an idea and try to make it happen because I was already running my own business. And I think that, you know, you're, you own your own business too. And you, I think you'll understand when I say like, whenever you go from being employed by somebody to running your own business, it's two totally different things. And I had already gotten over that fear as far as being self-employed, making my own money and counting on myself. So I had no fear, nothing holding me back. I was just had to figure out how do we set this sucker up? And I also didn't know that licenses weren't going to be capped at that time because we knew that they passed it. But looking at all these other states, everybody had put caps on them. So I just assumed that Oklahoma was going to do the same thing. So it was a lot of research, traveling to Colorado to look at different grows, to meet with different consultants, finding the location that we wanted to have it at, making sure that it was far enough from a school, reading all of the regulations, making sure that we always stayed on top of the new regulations that were coming out. And I just, for some reason, I just got super excited and just felt like I knew I needed to be doing this, even though. I'd never thought of that before, and uh, it, it all happened. I mean, everything has happened like I've wanted it to happen. It hasn't been easy, and there's been a lot of learning, but I'm supposed to be here, obviously, because for some reason I got that fire within me once I knew it was going to pass, and we made it happen. 
Yeah, you you absolutely made it happen. Um, you know, you guys have a good reputation around Oklahoma, which I think is important. And being one of the first people out there, I think, is also important because the market, you know, at some point is going to shift and become more saturated. So it's nice that yeah. you've already made such a positive impact on the community. And I've had some really wonderful people that have tons of experience that are much better growers than I am. And they've all been so friendly to me and giving me recommendations or letting me know things that I can do better. And it's been wonderful because I will always listen. If you have some suggestion that's not off the wall, I will always take your suggestion and implement it and see if it really does work. And so because of some of those suggestions that people have given me, man, my crops are improving like crazy each time. So I look forward to the people that I get to meet within this industry and the knowledge that I'm going to get to gain from the position that I'm in. And so, yeah, what has, uh, what has it been like growing cannabis? You know, Man. how long have you been doing it? I guess you've been doing it since the passage of 788. Yes, I was doing it at home first because, of course, I knew I was about to bite off this huge facility. So it was like, you better get grown at home <laughs> so that you can get the basics down. And I grew Bruce Banner at home, and it was phenomenal. It was super stinky. I got a pound per plant. It was very exciting, but I was only growing like three or four plants at home, you know. So uh, once I got into this, the hardest part to growing has been the fact that we've had so much build out that we've been going through and we had electrical upgrades that we had to do. So I can say anything to anyone that I've learned. Don't get in a hurry. Wait for your build out to be done. Wait for everything to be ready before you start growing, because there's going to be times that your power has to be out. There's going to be different things that you run into that you can't anticipate. And now you have a room full of plants that you're panicking about. So that's been the hardest part for me has been trying to grow while a build out is happening and trying to get organized and implement procedures has been hard too, just because of all the chaos that's going on and we're a startup company. So it's just been a lot of learning and fast learning at that because my rooms are, you know, 240 per room. So I'm having to learn incredibly fast. At this point, I've grown almost a thousand something plants that we've harvested. And I've only been growing since April um, of this past year. So I haven't even been growing a full year and I've already pumped out that many. So just goes to show that there's been a lot of learning that's been happening. That hasn't all been easy and it hasn't all been gravy, but I definitely um, am getting like fast track learning where I feel like I'll have a degree in this stuff by the time I have a year and a half in, you know? Yeah. The school of life. It's definitely, it never ends. That's the best way to learn. Throw yourself in there and figure it out. Now I didn't just throw myself in there. I will say that, during my downtime and during the build out of this and the permitting that we had to do, there was a lot of research that I was doing. And I also made three trips to Colorado as well. So I had a lot of research in this. I didn't just jump in without reading a single thing. You know, I, I wanted to feel comfortable with what I was taking on, but I feel like you don't truly grasp what you're doing until you're physically doing it every single day. Yeah, that is true. And I know for a while you had a dispensary, and now you're um, solely a cannabis wholesaler. 
Um, can you explain a little bit how that shift happened? Or were you like, I just want to grow. I don't want to deal with retail. Um, what kind of spawned that, that uh, shift? I love the retail side of it. Um, the reason I love the retail side of it is because I get to see what I grew directly affect patients that come in. And that really is what makes me feel good about this job is the fact that it can help heal people. And I miss that part about it. And we are going to reopen it just at this time. At the, when, when, he, when we decided to open the dispensary on this end, we kind of had a disagreement between the, apartment, the partners because some of them wanted it open, some of them didn't want it open. And I was for the side of not opening it until we had our grow up and running for a while just because with us all being new, I felt like we really needed to tackle one thing before we tried to tackle another. But I lost that boat and we opened it. And it wasn't a bad thing. It just wasn't making near the money that we wanted it to make. And so we just decided to close it for now. But we're actually keeping our license active. So that way, at any point in time, once we decide to, we will reopen it. But we're going to do better strategies with our marketing, with getting our name out there, and then also having a lot more of our own product on our shelves, where when we were open, we were selling other people's product. We had some of our product, but it was mainly other people's products because we had just now started to grow. So that's kind of where we're at with that. It wasn't a bad experience. Um, it's definitely something that we're going to do again in the future. It just wasn't right for us at that time. And honestly, now that it's been closed and I have just been focusing on the grow, man, I've gotten a lot more of my procedures implemented. Um, a lot of my day-to-day -day operations plans uh, implemented, typed up. So it, it gave me some extra time to be able to do a lot of this computer work that you don't normally have time to do. And whenever I was trying to make sure that this was okay up here and run the back, and I also had a laundry mat at the time too. So I was actually trying to run three businesses and it just was not working for me. I can tell you that. So <laughs> now I only run the grow. And my growing is so much better. Like everything has improved so much because I am only focusing on one thing. Even though you think you can do three or four things, the reality is you can't do them well. You can do one of them well, but you can't do three or four things well. You're going to be slacking on a couple of them at least. Yeah, definitely wise words. Um, and thank you for <laughs> sharing that experience because a lot of people you know, myself included, have jumped in with multiple different projects at once. And I agree with you. It's very difficult and things get left, you know, to the wayside because you have to go and focus on something else. So it's nice that you can just focus on growing cannabis and then, you know, when the time comes reopening, because I've been in your dispensary and it's beautiful and it's great. So it'll be nice when, when it's more dialed in and you are happier with the decision for opening. Well, and it was also, since this is just, <laughs> since this is a space that is just an act my own space, it's easy for me to open it and close it on a limb because it's not like a separate location or anything like that. It was just another have attached to the other things that we have for the grow. So... It didn't really put us out a lot. And we still use the dispensary space for our commercial people that come in to buy. And now it looks like a, 
I don't know what you would call it, but now it's like a nice studio when you come in. You get to see all of our buds in the big jars, and you have our viewing window. And I think that that's nice and professional for our big commercial um, entities that we're dealing with. Absolutely. And so, you know, I know you're really passionate about, you know, the medicinal side of cannabis. Um, what, when it comes to cannabis and, as, as a medicine, what are you most passionate about? What is it that just like fuels your fire when you think about, oh, cannabis can help somebody with like this condition or that condition? Well, I'm kind of selfish in the fact that I care about cannabis personally because my father's mother had Huntington's disease which is similar to Alzheimer's and Parkinson's is the best way that I can describe it. You lose all of your memory, all of your function to be able to control yourself. You can't do anything for yourself. I mean, it's one of the most horrific hereditary diseases that exist. And the only hope, the only sliver of hope that I have is the fact that cannabis is showing promising results and people that they're doing studies on that it is slowing down the progression of Alzheimer's and THC specifically is very good working within the brain. CBD is great too for inflammation. And I think that everybody should be taking CBD as well. And especially for people with Alzheimer's, Huntington's, anything like that, you, you have inflammation going on within your brain. So CBD is still very good for that, but they've shown that THC, I, I don't even want to get real technical because I don't know the terms. I'm not a doctor by any but they are showing THC is, is showing benefits as well. Well, whenever I was doing further research and when we were starting this project, I was like, how can I make a difference directly with Huntington's and cannabis since I'm going to be a grower? So I was trying to find out who I could contact in order to grow cannabis and then donate the cannabis that I grew for Huntington's research. Well, as I was digging into that, I actually found out that there's a company that is like the only company that's allowed to grow cannabis and they've already been doing studies and they've already made a pill for Alzheimer's, for Huntington's, for seizures and for Parkinson's. This is all coming from the same company. The uh, seizures one just passed. The other ones are awaiting FDA approval, and all of them are cannabis-based. So after I read that, it made me feel just really awesome that within my lifetime that they're actually going to have medication, because this is literally the first medication for Huntington's disease. They're giving Huntington's patients like a plethora of random drugs right now, but none of them are specifically for Huntington's disease. They're all just trying to treat whatever symptoms the people have because they don't have anything to use for them. So um, I believe my dad had Huntington's disease as well because it passes down. Like since my dad's mom had it, him and his sister have a 50-50 chance of getting it. If my dad had it, which we think my dad did, then all of me and my siblings have a 50-50 chance of getting it. So really my heart is in cannabis because I truly believe that cannabis is going to, hopefully, if I do for some reason get it one day, I hope that my cannabis use at least makes it not as bad, or I don't really know because they're just now getting into these studies, so I can't make any claims that I know that this is going to work, but... 
since it's my only little bit of hope that I have, I'm hanging on to it and I'm running with it. And I definitely want to find out and be involved with whatever organizations I can be involved with to see in the future. Like, did we make a difference? Is, is this not the cure, but is this the right medication to be able to treat these people? So that way they're not suffering as bad as they are. So, um, I, I look forward to anything that I can make a difference in that realm. But other than that, I believe that cannabis helps with everything and anything. <laughs> I don't care what kind of problem you have, you know. Anxiety might be the only one that you need to make sure that you get the right strain if you're smoking it because it can make anxiety worse. Or maybe just be on CBD, you know, instead of the THC side. But I'm definitely an advocate as far as the medicinal values go. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that story. Um, I knew you had a relationship with Huntington's disease, but I wasn't sure what it is. So I definitely appreciate you sharing your a little bit of your family history with us. And um, are you referring to uh, GW Pharmaceuticals and the Epidiolex for the seizure drug? I would have to look into it because this company, it had three M's in it, but I'm referring to the company that's actually growing the cannabis. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're the only ones that have the license to experiment and do this from the federal government. Because, you know, you can't just go grow cannabis and start doing research studies, you know. No. You have to go through the proper channel. So, But I will get the name of that company, and I'll send it over to you because it's been, like I said, I was looking into that when we first were starting this because I wanted to grow and donate the marijuana to them. But then I realized that no, you can't do that. It has to be people that actually have the license to grow it and do it. They can't, they can't take in marijuana that I've grown. You know, it has to be done by them. Right, which that makes sense, I guess, with all the strict controls they have for research. Um, yeah. yeah. Please send that over to me. I'd love to read up more about it, I think. And then yeah. I can also share the link with um, the listeners on my, you know, blog or yeah, Instagram it's not page. It's not just for Huntington's, you know, it's Alzheimer's too, and it's Parkinson's, three of the biggest ones that we haven't been able to touch or make better. Uh, they have made a lot of advances in Parkinson's, but those are kind of scary advances that have people have to go under surgery to make that Parkinson's better, where this is just a pill. Absolutely. Um, well, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back, and I'm going to ask you a little bit more about how you see medical cannabis, you know, shifting maybe the politics or at least the culture yeah. here in Oklahoma. Okay, sounds good. So we're back at the Herb Walk podcast with Ellie McDaniel of Smoky Okies. Um, Ellie, before we talk again, why don't you go ahead and give your Facebook and Instagram uh, handles to people since we haven't given that to them in a while. Yeah, on Facebook and Instagram, you can find us under Smoky Okies. And then we also have a website, which is smoky-okies.com. 
So, you know, you've lived here your entire life. You know, I won't ask how many years that I, that is, but you've lived here your, your whole life. And, you know, cannabis has only been legal as a medicine here for a little over a year. What have you seen in the changes in Oklahoma? Have you seen any major changes? Or to you, is it like, no, it really hasn't changed much? We've had some regulation changes um, as far as industry side goes, which I think most of us that are in the industry kind of know about those. Um, and then besides that, I've really enjoyed watching the public get more comfortable using cannabis just <laughs> outdoors because, it, you know, our whole lives, it was like, you got to go sneak behind somewhere or hide somewhere to smoke or whatever. So it's really awesome to see when I see a cigarette smoker, I see a cannabis smoker. And I just absolutely love that. And I'm excited for us to get that Colorado feel that we all talk about, you know, where it's just normal. It's part of your day-to-day life, you know, to smoke cannabis outside and nobody's really freaked out by it, you know? Do you think this is going to change people's idea about herbal medicine in general? I mean, as an herbalist and an acupuncturist, I always have to ask about other plants because, you know, they're just as important to me. Do you think this is going to like help people kind of have a more natural approach to healing in general? I think it's going to take people like you um, letting them know about those other plants because you are right. There are plants that are just as good as cannabis in ways. Um, and a lot of us don't even know about it. Like I was reading some stuff on like black pepper, for instance, I didn't realize how healing black pepper was. Um, and there's a lot of just random plants out there that all of us have no idea what they can do. And I can appreciate the field that you're in because my mom is the exact same way. I call her a hippie my whole life. We were very poor and we never were able to get medical care anywhere. We never had insurance. But my mom would heal us at home all the time. You know, if you were sick, she would make you a warm tea with broken down vitamin C in it and honey. You would feel better instantly. If you broke a finger, she would put a stent on it. You know, And she was never a nurse. She never did any of that stuff. But it was just when you're poor, you learn how to treat yourself at home. And that means using herbs. Oh, that's great. So you did er- grow up with a little herbal medicine. It just wasn't, you know, in your face, like, I'm learning herbalism. It's like, no, Not this is cannabis. just the way we live. Yeah, <laughs> but, it, but it wasn't ever cannabis. My mom's never been anti-cannabis, but it just wasn't spoken about, you know, period. It just was never on her mind. But I did always take, whenever I was sick, we used echinacea. Vitamin C has always been a big um, healing factor in my life. And even to this day, Vitamin C works way better than any antibiotic a doctor will give me. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, well, I I definitely intend to bring more herbal medicine, you know, education to all of Oklahoma, but definitely the people who are in the cannabis space, because I think it's a really good opportunity to just remind people that, hey, you know, especially if people don't want to use cannabis, let's give them another herbal alternative. So maybe yeah. at some point they would be comfortable using cannabis after they used, you know, something like black pepper, you know, it's like, it's that yeah. simple. Food is medicine. And then we Absolutely. have herbs on top of that. And I would love, honestly, I would love to see like someone like you pair up with a dispensary and have it in the same space. 
You know, I, I I did think about that for my dispensary, but you know, going back to what you were saying earlier about like you can only do so many things at once. Absolutely. Um, but I, I do intend to have my own herbal products that I make in the dispensary, you know, cannabis related and other, um, because yeah, I think it's important. Let's normalize all herbal medicine. Yeah. And then it, it even decreases that stigma even more on cannabis. Once they start un- understanding like, oh my gosh, like all these plants can be used for something. There was another one, like, is it dandelion? Dandelion's a great herbal medicine. Like, I didn't even know that. My mom, she's getting into that now. She's in Indiana, and she's running a little garden, and that's what she's doing. She's just passing on knowledge to people for completely free, just so that they know that you can grow this at home, and this is how you use it. And It's very cool. I love all that stuff. Oh, that's great. Well, maybe one day we'll, uh, we can go on an herb walk together or something. That'd be Absolutely. fun. <laughs> I'll probably have cannabis. Oh, I will absolutely have cannabis. If there's an herb walk happening, there's, there's always weed, you know? <laughs> um, so what about, do you have any advice or insights for people, you know, either whether it be other women or just people in general who um, are thinking about getting into the cannabis space? Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> Amen. It is extremely expensive. I mean, and I'm not trying to shoot anybody down or make people feel like they're not capable, but definitely make sure that you have a team of people that can fund you so that you don't get in the middle of a project and not have enough money. That would be number one. Um, Number two, make sure that you enjoy backbreaking work all the time because that's what it is. It's not all fairy tale. And you don't get to quit once you start. You're in it to win it. So, um, but I absolutely love doing it every day. I really, really do. And I don't regret the decisions that I've made. And I am very excited to see what we'll do in the future. Do you have any projections for what you see happening in Oklahoma in the future, whether that's with uh, recreational cannabis or like maybe what all of this money that's being uh poured into the into the communities do you have any like or what would you like to see happen with all the money that's being poured into the communities I mean for one it needs to go into our schools I mean that that schools is something that we've been talking about forever this is an opportunity to take that money it made me really really mad that the cannabis is going into the general fund what a joke you know, like it, it shouldn't go into a general fund. They should have been more specific about where that goes because I feel like going into a general fund means I get to spend it on whatever I want. Um, our schools need it. And I have children and that's something that I'll always be screaming for, like make our schools better. It's subpar. I have a near, literally my kid is almost a genius. He top, he tests tops 3% every time they test him in state scoring every year. And it's really disappointing to see what they have to offer to these really brilliant kids in school. It's barely anything. And like he was in, he was in one school for three years solid and they had a gifted and talented program. And literally they never met. They put him in the gifted and talented program, sent a letter home saying that he was in it. And I would ask my kid over and over, what are you doing? What classes do you take? They never sent him to anything. And then when I asked him about it, they said, oh, well, we don't have a teacher right now for it. Well, then why are you taking federal funding saying that you're going to have a gifted and talented program when you're not really putting my kid in that gifted and talented program? 
So I, there's just a lot of stuff like that. That That's just one part of the school system. I mean, there's a whole lot of other stuff to gripe about. But as a parent, that's something that to me, I'm like, a lot of this money needs to go into our school systems. And we need to totally revamp the whole thing because right now our education system is a joke. Yeah, and I've, I've been reading a lot about, you know, the lack of teachers, the lack of funding. And it, it just seems like, you know, the lack of um, caring about the fact that not only are children our future, but we're falling behind on a global scale of what yeah. Americans learn in general. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's a big deal. Like it may not seem like a big deal now, but it's going to be a big deal in 10, 15 years, you know, or so the worse it gets every year. And we're bringing in so much money. You could take a fraction of that and make a huge difference in the school systems, you know, so to act like they always act like they need trillions of dollars to make anything happen. And to me, I'm like, coming from poverty, it's really hard for me to believe that it takes trillions of dollars to make a difference, you know. I feel like you can make a difference in a school system with $1,000 if you use it the right way, you know. So that that's where I come from with it. Um, you know, I was kind of concerned because Governor Stitt acted like we hadn't really brought any revenue in from cannabis yet. He literally said that. This has been a few months ago, but he went on TV and said that. And it was like, are you kidding me? What a liar. You know, just in, just in fees that we've paid alone, that's millions of dollars. And that's not even counting the taxes that they've been making on. So it kind of concerns me that he's acting like, oh, there's not really any money that's been made yet. It's like, what are your intentions with that cannabis money if you're acting like it doesn't exist? Right. And we all know that uh, we all know that that's uh, yeah, definitely a blatant untruth. And, yeah. um, you know, uh, once recreation is here, too, which I believe is going to happen, then there's definitely no denying how much money uh, cannabis is pushing into, you know, the state and the local communities. Yeah, I heard it was 2020 was when they were voting on recreational. I don't know if that's really going to happen, but that's what I heard through the grapevine. You know, and I did, I, I actually met with some lobbyists randomly, not something I've ever done before, nor do I ever care to do again. Um, but they, uh, you know, they came here to Oklahoma to push for, um, to see if there was enough interest to put money to get it on the 2020 ballot. And I never heard how that panned out. Um, I didn't have any resources to offer them, so I never got a follow-up. <laughs> but, yes. uh, but hopefully... Hopefully that is the case because I think um, I think we need it, I, and I don't think we need to act like it's a bad thing if we use cannabis recreationally. Well, and we need to open it up just from a market standpoint because they haven't capped any licenses. Um, so you're going to have to open recreational to make it to where we can all survive. Because there's a reason other states cap licenses, and it's to stabilize the market. And if we want to keep a stable market, we need recreational. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, just to uh, to end our awesome conversation, is there anything else you want to share with the listeners, be it like, you know, cannabis as medicine, as a business owner, as an Oklahoman, as anything? Is there anything you want to share? I don't think so. I think that we covered everything today. <laughs> we did. We kind of went all around. I feel good. Yeah, <laughs> I feel good about this. 
Well, great, Ellie. I definitely appreciate you being on the Herb Walk. Um, everybody, Ellie McDaniel, McDaniel from Smoky Okies. Um, her website is Smoky. That's S M O K E Y dash O K I E S dot com. On Instagram and Facebook, you can find her at Smoky Okies. And uh, thanks for your time and your uh, passion, and also for all the hard work you're doing. Thank you very much for having me. Well, I really appreciate Ellie McDaniel being on the show today. I'm going to give you her handles one more time. That's Smoky Okies on Facebook and Instagram. And smoky-okies.com is her website. Feel free to reach out and just give her some love and support if you um, feel inclined. And I just want to thank all of you for your love and support. As you know, I don't have a Patreon page. I don't get paid for this. It's just something I do because I, I think it's fun. And, you know, maybe one day I'll get motivated enough to, to profit off it. Um, but right now, I don't want to give you sponsorships or commercials or anything like that. So instead, I'll just give you my handles. Uh, BakerBotanica.com is my website. On Facebook, you can find me at Jessica Baker LAC um, or Baker's Medical. That's my cannabis page here in Oklahoma. Um, you can also reach me at Instagram at Baker underscore Botanica or Baker's Medical OKC. Um, feel free to drop me a line if you just want to say hey. Or if you have any questions or insights, please let me know. If there's anyone you would like to see interviewed, I will try to reach out to them and see if they want to be on the show. I really appreciate all your support. And I uh, hope you guys have a blessed day. 